0: Well, good morning, Calvary HSM. This is our high school service at the 11. God bless you. If you're looking for a home church, this is a good place for you guys to camp and be here. If you're visiting from somewhere else, please take your blessings back to your pastor. If you're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor, and it's a blessing to be here. What we do exactly in HSM is this. We equip you to live and love like Jesus, and that's what we do here at HSM. And as we've been going through this series for the past uh, three weeks now called Rhythms, it's what we are to do as believers that help us walk our normal Christian life as believers who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And today we're talking specifically about mission trips. Now, how many guys in the room have been on a mission trip? Awesome. Mission trips are awesome. It's a a great opportunity for us to, one, go serve people, uh, but also ourselves realize how much more uh, we need the Lord and the gospel. And really, what we do outside uh, of our comfort spaces on mission trips, realistically, God has called us to do also here in our neighborhoods Whatever we do outside there, God has called us also to do in our neighborhoods. And today, this morning, as we jump to our text, we're going to talk about how we are to be real disciples of Jesus, what it means for us to live on mission, on purpose, Allow me to pray, and then we'll kick off this time. Lord, I thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about how you call us, or God, to live and love like you in context of missions, Lord, and how you've called us, or God, to be a people who show your love to people, or God, uh, beyond uh, using our words, but also our hands, our feet. Everything that's about us is called to make a disciple. So we thank you. We praise you. And just me to pray. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. All right. We're talking about discipleship. And you guys can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. This is gonna be a selection of different scriptures. So if you're a person who takes notes, yes and amen. Like, write those notes down, take screenshots and stuff from the screen, whatever. Like, this is a good opportunity for you guys to write this stuff down. But Matthew 28, what's happening here is that Jesus has been alive for 40 days. This is resurrected Jesus. Like he was dead. Defeated sin in the grave, came back to life, and then for 40 days, he goes around preaching the gospel, eating with people, like showing himself to all kinds of people, so they knew that this was not a fake thing. It was actually real and happening. In Matthew 28, he goes to this mountain, and he's going to ascend back to heaven, and that's what we kick off in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 through 20. It says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Last week we talked about how the word discipleship you will not find in the Bible, but it comes from the word disciple. And the word disciple in uh, the Greek is mathete. So what it means is this. To be a disciplined learner. Like you have focus and you learn what it means to be like a particular person or particular thing. Now, I'll prove to you right now that many of us are actually disciples or we've picked up traits and things that are in our area, in our culture. In fact, ultimately, we are in some degree uh, disciples of our culture. And so let's let's just throw out a few things here, okay? Um, If you guys recognize the, the end of these things, just feel free to finish it. Here's the first part. We are farmers. Wow, okay, that's one. Okay, cool. Um, Let me see. What's another one we can look at? There's one that goes... Make love in it? it? (laughs) Dude, what? Okay, cool. All right, no worries. Hey, no pressure? You're safe here. Um, What about this one? Nationwide is... You guys pay insurance? Like, I don't know how you guys... All right, here's, here's the last one. Here's the last one. Every kiss begins with... None of y'all are engaged. Calm down, all right? You need to chill, right? Like, this one, what I'm trying to say is this. These things have become part of our culture, and we become, like... Attached to focused on and a part of these things. In fact, they're so infused with with who we are that they become normal things we can like sing and talk about. In fact, there are songs that my mom used to sing to me that were old school commercials. Like it's just interesting, it's weird. And guys be like, How old are you? I'm like, I'm only 31. I don't know. Where did you learn this from? My mom, right? These are things that just like become become infused inside of us. And we become disciples of our culture. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is not become disciples of our culture. However, we're becoming disciples disciples of Jesus. Like when we quote scripture and sing these songs, we want these things to be so infused in your normal being that it becomes like second nature. The same way we could throw out a McDonald's jingle or a nationwide jingle or a kiss with Kate, for whatever that story was. Like, like you all, like we are able to infuse these things in our normal day-to-day lives. We're to be disciples of Jesus. See, Like I said, we are all disciples of something, but we are called to be disciples of Jesus. In Matthew 10, 24, 25, we see what a disciple or it can be inferred what a disciple is. It says this, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant about his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Right there, Jesus is saying that it is enough for you to be like your teacher, To be called a disciple, to be called a servant of God is to be like your teacher. Now, interestingly enough, in Israel, what would happen, and I mentioned this last week, is that the people who are disciples or training under like the rabbis, these holy people, they would, like, this is a proverb, you'd be so close, you want to be so close behind your rabbi so that even the dust of his, like, as he walks would hit you so you could become like him. Like, you want to be so close to him. And so what's interesting uh, in in that context is that you want to have the proximity to know how they walk, how they talk, how they live. And which is why we encourage you guys to be in small groups where you can get close to these people who are living and loving like Jesus. A disciple looks like his or her teacher. And we are to look like Jesus. Now, there's three things we're going to... uh, uh, a look at this this morning as we explore what it means to be a disciple and these three things are one worship servanthood and the third one is witnessing okay we are people who worship we're people who serve and we're people who also witness we worship we serve and we witness now the first thing we said right there is what? True disciples are people who actually worship. John 4, 23 to 24, we see this lady who is a Samaritan woman, and she's at this, uh, this well in Samaria. And for context, uh, if you've never fetched water before, I grew up in Uganda. What happens is typically if you're going to fetch water for your household because you don't have piping and all that stuff, you would go to get water in the evening or the morning. Right. Why would you do that? because it's hot in the middle of the day. But this lady is, is risking her, her, her life, her time, whatever. Like she's, It's an inconvenience for her to go in the middle of the afternoon, kind of like right now outside. Like You wouldn't go to the well to get water, no. So in the morning or the evening, she goes when it's secluded and it's alone. She doesn't want to be uh, seen by her community because later on, Jesus reveals that she has been Sleeping around. She thirsty. Literally says, you're thirsty. You have five husbands and the woman and the man you're staying with right now is not your husband. And in this interaction, she ends up understanding what, who Jesus was because he reveals himself to her. The first person ever in the Bible that Jesus says, I am God to, was this woman, this Samaritan woman, this outcast woman. And he tells her that I am God. And then she has this conversation with him about worship. Because the Samaritans would worship at another temple. So what it means to be a Samaritan is this. Is that you were a half-caste. These are words that people just throw out anyway, like like randomly. Half-caste, meaning you are part Jewish and part something else. Now for us, we're like, oh, that just means you're relationally, or like, what's it called? Ambiguous? Something ambiguous? Like you have all kinds of cultures inside of you. And you look like, are you white or Asian? Are you black or green. I'm just kidding. Like, there's all these things, right? There's there's mixed. But the thing is, the Jewish people, they prided themselves in being Jewish so much so that these people who are Samaritans, they cast them out, and they live in a whole city called Samaria, right? And so what happens is, Jesus goes to have this conversation with this lady, and these Samaritans had their own temple to worship aside from the Jews. And so she's confused now. She goes, okay, you're God, but my people say you worship God over here and over there. And his response to her is gracious. He he says this to her. He goes, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does it mean? That true disciples worship Jesus. Why is this a key thing for us as we understand about being a disciple and making disciples? Because in our context in the States, we've made following Jesus or being a disciple to mean political party. You've made like following Jesus to be, a part, to be about a particular way of dress. Like Christians dress this way or Christians are supposed to do particular things. Like It doesn't work like that. Jesus says to worship me is to follow me. You come to Jesus on his terms, not on our terms. The time that happened, if you guys have been reading through the book of John with us, uh, we found that Jesus had fed 5,000 people, 5,000 plus people. And, and these these people who call themselves disciples, Follow Jesus across from one end of the Sea of Galilee to the other. And as they cross on the other side, he has this conversation with them about eating of his body and drinking of his blood. Now, that sounds a little weird already. But they understood in context what he was talking about. He was saying, like, you need to live like me. Like, do you, you, you come to me because I have bread? Like, he says, no, no, you need to live like me, to live a life of self-sacrifice, to come to Jesus on his terms, not our terms. And the scripture says that some of his disciples left him. He uses the same word, disciplined learner. See, a real disciple worships Jesus, and it's about what he's about. You don't come to Jesus on your own terms. You come to Jesus on his terms. The goal of the disciple or the goal of discipleship, ultimately is this, to live and love like Jesus. If you're wondering, what does it mean to be a Christian? You have an image of Jesus. And that's what it means to be a disciple, to live and to love like Jesus. And again, true disciples worship Jesus. So what do we do when we worship something, when we focus on something? And you might be like, I don't worship. And yet, when PS5s dropped, everyone rushed. And when they were out, People cried. Like, how many guys have done like what's it called? Uh, uh, this shopping that happens around Thanksgiving. It's like Green or what Friday? What color is it? Thank you. Black Friday. People camp, yo. Like they camp and sit. Outside. I said like, I every Thanksgiving my family goes to uh, my aunt's house in Oxnard, and she lives so close to like uh, what's this the store that has like, electronics? It's like blue. Oh, thank you. You guys, like, you're all on this cultural, like, game right here, right? So Best Buy, were you camping? I don't know if it was you. But right next to Best Buy, you have a line of people just camped and staying there. Like, they're committed to going into that space for a limited time to grab this thing that they can hold on for the rest of their lives. At least in their minds, they believe that's that, like, 22-inch, maybe that's too small, 66-inch, 128-inch TV, whatever, would last them for eternity, Like, they're committed to it. They are worshipers of these things. We are not worshipers of things. True disciples are worshipers of Jesus, and we seek Jesus more than all these other things. And so what happens is, as we worship things, we actually become, we put our hope in what we worship. Those people who spend time sleeping on the concrete to go into a store, like, they're putting their hope. In this one thing, this one item, to give them joy, to give them recluse, to give them a moment of peace, of of of, of escape from reality. But we put our hope in Jesus. See, we worship. Whatever we whatever we, we worship, we become, and uh, whatever we put our hope in, we worship. So we become what we actually worship. What happens next is this in John 9:35, it says this: that Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, hey, we've been reading the book of John. John chapter 9. What happens in John chapter 9? Wild story. This guy is born blind for the glory of God. That's what it says. It's wild. I know how you guys felt when you read John chapter 9. I was like, ooh, that hits deep. Like, he was born blind so God's glory could be shown through him, which is an interesting thing to think about, right? But he's healed, and he gets healed, and his parents are actually denying him like this didn't happen. Now imagine it's one thing for like people to be like, you're you weren't you weren't healed by by God. It's another for your parents who birthed you, like who like grew like you grew up together, like, like they know all the intricacies of who you are to then deny you for fear of people around you. This guy, in the face of all this craziness, says, no, 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 guys no, 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 like, I, I believe in Jesus. He goes and he asks them, he asks the Pharisees, he says, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? To which those Pharisees reject, they push back and they say, no, we are not disciples of Jesus because they understood what it meant to be a disciple, to have hope in, to have a focus on, to be dedicated to, they rejected that. And so Jesus in his grace comes to this man later on and he tells him this, he says, they heard that they'd cast, they'd cast him out, and having found him, because he's never laid eyes on Jesus. His own interaction with Jesus was him being blind. Think about that. He's met Jesus. He's blind. Go wash your eyes. He goes, washes his eyes, comes back. Doesn't know who's healed him. He's never seen Jesus. He's kind of like us. I mean, have you seen Jesus? Liam, you seen Jesus? You seen Jesus? Like flesh and no. Okay, we're in the same boat, right? We're born blind for the glory of God. All of us, without having seen Jesus, have an opportunity to experience his love. He experiences the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And then what happens next is Jesus physically comes and finds him. He finds him in this space and says to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? First question Do you believe in God? Do you believe that, that, that he exists, that he's real? He answered, "And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him?" And Jesus said to him, "You may. You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you." He said, "Lord, I believe." And he worshipped him. In that moment, he said, "Hey, like, you're the one. Like, you're the one who healed me." And he dedicates his whole life to him, even without having seen him before. And when he actually sees him, he goes, you are my Lord, my King. And he gives himself to Jesus. We we are those people who have been born blind for the glory of God. We've been called to worship Jesus too. We are people who are servants. Now, this is where it comes for us to be a people who go out and to live in love like Jesus in our community. Each one of us in this room, right, say me. Say me. Not me, but you. Say me. You've all been called to make disciples. You may be like, hey, Aaron, does that mean I'm supposed to come on stage and preach like this? No, not at all. All of you have been given unique giftings. Some of you guys are, are like, you're evangelists, meaning you could sell like ice to an Eskimo, like that kind of a deal. Like you can convince people of anything. Some of you guys are, are great dancers. Praise God. Like those, that's a skill you have. Some of you guys can sing. And so all these giftings, all these things that God has put inside of you, even the ability to just read people, because sometimes you, build, you, you won't see yourself as a person who has a gift, and yet you're the person who's in the, you go to a party, you go to a room, you go to a social situation, and you just like watch people, and you begin to understand, like you know, like the intricacies of how people react, right? And ultimately, you might be a great person to be a small group leader, why? Because you, you're able to know and understand people. And so God has given all these people, all of us in this room, all these giftings, so we are to make disciples. And this is what he says to us in the scripture. He says to us in uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, again, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So he says, okay, Matthew 28, like we were before, go preach the gospel, right? But How can you preach the gospel? What are you sharing exactly? What is it that you're serving to these people with your giftings, with your ability to sing, to see people, your ability to have compassion for people? See, missions is not just for you to go to Africa. People wonder, like, what if if people in Africa never hear the gospel? First of all, like, if those people never hear the gospel, 100%, they're going to heaven. But the reality is this. There are no people who are sinless, and I'm not seeing, like, who are, not, who are without, like, like, sin in Africa. Therefore, there's an urgency for you to go. Does that make sense? Like, people always have that question. What if people in, like, some other random country never hear the gospel? If they, are, if they exist, they're going to go to heaven. But the reality is this. All of us have fallen short. All of us need this gospel. And so you have an urgency to use your gifts in this time to go share the gospel. We are people who do this. We make disciples because we have ourselves been loved. So proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ is, is from the overflow of our experiencing this Jesus, right? So then we go. That's why we go. And in Galatians 6.10, he says we are to do to go to these kinds of people, first of all, too. Or one. Galatians 6.10 says we are to love people who are within the household of faith. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen the news recently or even have friend groups where all you guys do is just fight and you're at each other's throats. It's the worst thing ever to see like pastors or Christians or people of different denominations just bashing on each other. Why? Because you'd expect that Christians would what? Love one another, right? Like it makes sense for them to love one another, to embrace one another. And so Paul speaking to Christians says one of the first places to bear evidence of your fruits, of your love of Jesus, is to love one another. It's only in the Christian faith where when people are wounded, when Christians have made mistakes, the other Christians put them down. Like, that's the only space where that happens. Like, other people will be like, hey, what's going on? Let's help them up. help our teammate up. Like, let's, let's help them walk uh, worthy of the gospel. Let's help them regain their strength. Let's invite them. And that doesn't happen everywhere, but generally, you see it. You see, it happened where Christians bring other people down, right? And so the news will 100% focus on what? This person fell. This person did this. person did that. Not on, oh, gosh, like the church is rallying around these people to help them become like better men, become better women, to become people who are loved by God. So he says it this way. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's one thing to have love for other people, but especially the people who are in the household of faith. We're called not only to share the gospel, but to live it out amongst ourselves. Like really amongst ourselves. That means starting in your household, in that one space we where to be intentional about how we love one another in that context. To love people in our small group, to love people in our school communities, because therein will people realize who Jesus is. In Matthew 28, 18, this is what he gives us confidence to do this actual work. He says, And Jesus came and said to them, to these disciples, on, uh, when he's going to ascend to heaven, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, is, does that mean me or you or Jesus? Who has the authority? Jesus has all the authority. He has all the power. He has the rights, the deed to the earth. He has the rights to do anything He wants to. And who does He give it to? He says, I've given, I have all authority. God has given me all this authority. And so He gives us, He sends us out with that same authority to go and make disciples, to go and live and love like Him. Because you might say, hey, I don't feel qualified. I didn't go to seminary. I barely read my Bible. Guys, Whoa, like, let me give you context. The verse before, verse 17, it says, some people doubted. It says, the disciples came to worship, but some doubted. He sends everyone out. He goes, don't worry about that. You may feel, like, deeply unqualified. The truth is, we are all deeply unqualified, but we are called by Jesus, and he himself qualifies us. And it, it can be scary. It can be weird. Why? because we love ourselves, we love our safety, we love the fact that we don't have to be labeled as the Christian kid, because you stand out. That's a reality. And the reality is we are actually called to be different. See, we are called the called out ones. We are the people who have been separated from darkness into light. When people see you, they should be a difference in how you talk and how you treat people. One that attracts people to Jesus. You should be able to have that confidence, not in yourself because you've done enough, you've prayed enough, you've done all these things. No, but because you are confident that God has given you the authority. Our confidence is that Jesus himself not only gives us the authority, but he says that he's also with you. He's with you. The God who, like, really raised people from the dead, raised himself from the dead, like, he himself who conquered death and the grave, he is with you. And so when you go out to and have people have issues or sicknesses or whatnot, like, be quick to pray. Like, be quick to pray. You have a headache? Can I pray for you? Hey, you have a test come out? You're feeling anxiety? Can I pray for you? See, our confidence then is, therefore, in our God who gives us that authority, John 20, 21 says this, Jesus said to them, and this is for us to be witnesses, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How many of you guys have ever watched those shows like Hawaii Five-0 or like... Just list any show where there's people who have been shot or, like, there's a murder mystery. Like, those are, those are my jams. I love watching those. Like, that's, those are my, like, pastimes. But whatever happens and someone passes away in all those shows, they always ask, like, are there any? What do they ask first? Witnesses. Are there any witnesses? Who saw it? Who experienced this tragic moment? And if you are one of those people that would sit you in a room, what do they ask you? question after question after question, and they ask you, are there any more details? Do you remember anything? What it means to be a witness is to have experienced something and then have, the again, the, the validity then to go and share it with other people. See, Jesus said that we are called to be witnesses. The same way that the Father sent him to speak and to testify of the Father, he wants us to testify of him. And and if you've experienced the love of God truly, truly, and you understand what you've been saved from, then you realize that you've also been saved to something else. So you're saved from sin and saved to a life of righteousness. Saved from sin, saved to a life of holiness. Saved from sin, saved to a life of mercy. And because you've experienced great mercy, how can you not live a life of forgiveness? How can you not live a life where you give yourself to other people? If you realize how God gave his only son, his only son, no extras, no backup, right? There's not like a plus one deal on this God thing. Like, he said, like, this is my, like, my prized possession. And he gives of himself for you. So how can you not then give yourself for others? Because you're afraid of what people think of you? I mean, what did Jesus do? This is, this is what happened to Jesus. The king of the universe, right? The one who owns everything. He was beaten from the moment that he was, like, like arrested. He did not sleep. Beaten, like, uh, put a crown of thorns on his head, a uh, hose through his, 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 his wrists and his feet, like, whipped the cad, uh, 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 this, this whip that has, like, all these broken pieces of metal 39 times because 40 was considered barbaric. So they hit all the way to 39. Do you think 40 would have made a difference? I don't know. I don't think so. I think 39 is a lot to have all these things ripping out your flesh. Like he did all these things. And then he's on the cross. And you know how in, in in Hollywood Jesus is painted as a guy wearing a little cloth? You know, like, no, he's naked, right? He's exposed. They don't they don't crucify people with their clothes on. No, they're exposed. They're naked. There's nothing. They, they're fully ashaming you. People spat on him. And then it's 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 All those things having happened, he's on the cross, and what do they say? Save yourself. Save yourself. If you're considering the mocking, like, in context, compared to what we're walking through and what Jesus walked through for us, like, he was ashamed and mocked so we could have confidence knowing that even though that there is a Friday and he's going to die, there is a resurrection on a Sunday. You know that in all those things that are happening, there is a glory to come. And so Christ's life of walking through that suffering gives us confidence that we will also have that same freedom. Again, God has said he will be with us. He'll be with us and we will be witnesses. And so as we've experienced this love, we lay aside everything, everything that makes us feel ashamed, that makes us feel mocked, that makes us feel like I'm inadequate and know that it's God who qualifies you. Every single person in the Bible has had, like, a really bad story from Adam. Like, let's not even talk about that. He ate, you know, okay, you know, Adam. Like, who is in the story next? We have Noah, right? Noah, like, Noah obeys Jesus. Then, like, to the end of his life, the guy does some weird stuff, gets drunk, all these different stuff. It's wild, right? People like David, like, David kills, like, homie's wife to sleep with her? Because she's already, like, it's, it's, it's so complicated, right? All these people are imperfect people, but God is the one who perfects them. He's the one who makes them holy. So don't worry about, like, I'm unqualified. God has called you to make these disciples. When we have these mission trips, our main thing is this. Like, this is a qualifying factor. Like, do you understand the gospel? Do you know what God has done for you? And are you, do you have an, a sense of urgency in your heart to go share this with other people? Notice I'm not talked about like even our particular relationships, like Uganda or the DR. And we do different things in different spaces with different people. It doesn't matter where God like places you. The question is, do you understand this gospel? Are you willing to live this gospel out in selfless abandon? Because you understand the urgency of that gospel. So what are the next steps for us, for us as people who know what it means to be disciples, who know what it means to worship Jesus, who know what it means to serve not only ourselves but serve others, who people who are, who are witnesses, who've experienced the love of God and then now are called to live it out. Here are things for us to do. Practically in our community, we have things like one becoming a, become a disciple yourself you' may be like this is an interesting thing i've never heard of this before well for you, the first step is to become a disciple uh, accept Jesus trust him with your life two join a small group like easiest place for you to grow in uh, uh, the, the, the knowledge and the love of who God is is to join a small group get into a space where you're hearing these things where when we throw out those jingles like you're like oh man like john three sixteen You got it. Like, all all these different, like, these things are infused inside of your heart and beyond just, like, the John 3.16, that these scriptures begin to be a part of who you are. So join a small group. Two, the next thing you could do would be this as the screen changes, uh, join model. Join your local FCA. Now, check it out. In about two weeks or even next week for some of your schools, you have FCA. And this is what FCA is. FCA is kind of like a small group on your campus. It's a fellowship of Christian athletes. No, you don't have to be an athlete to join. But it's a great space for you specifically to be encouraged on your school campus. Like, how do you guys believe that like, your school needs Jesus? Like, if you're honest. Like, people in your school need Jesus. Like, check it out. This is a place for you to go and be equipped, and it might be it might be like oh, I'm, on, I'm uncertain, I'm not sure. It's an easy ask. Hey, it's lunchtime in the gym. It's lunchtime in whatever classroom Miss K's classroom. I don't know if you guys have a Miss at your school, but like Miss K's classroom by the tennis fields, wherever it is, you guys get together, and have a, a time of eating because we talked about last week how Christians. Funny enough, always have fellowship around food, right? So there's food and opportunity to talk about this Jesus who lives for us and died for us. Uh, And then for you as well, you could also decide to start serving on Sundays because we are people who serve. Now, like I said... We have mission trips who we're launching today. The apps are open. Like after the service, go like fill out those applications today. You have a month between October between now and October second to do so, about midnight. But I would say, hey, like sign up, do that stuff. But also, in context, everything you do elsewhere on a mission trip, you realistically be doing here on a Sunday, or be here on a midweek. Like we have opportunities to serve here in our special abilities, special abilities ministry. And so, some of you actually serve there in the mornings and come to the 5 p.m. service. And I've said this statement before. I would not be mad at all, not even hurt at all, because you don't come for me, right? You come for Jesus, right? You would, if you spent your mornings serving in special abilities, serving in EC, serving like somewhere else on our church campus, and then coming to the five, like I would not be mad at all. Why? Because you're you are actually living out the gospel. You're living and loving like Jesus. Like if there was a, if there was a context where on a Tuesday, and for some of you guys are homeschooled, and you're wondering what can I do to serve Jesus more, on Tuesdays we have Fresh Market. It's a great opportunity for you to come out and to uh, uh, serve food and put you know meet people in our community who have less than us. Like those are great opportunities to. Now serve our community and also to serve one another. And then the last one would be, again, to sign up for a mission trip. So with all these things that are happening, as the worship team comes up, I want to give us this reminder. Uh, And the reminder is this. Ultimately, Matthew 28 is about making disciples. And when Jesus first came, like his first interactions with all these people, all these, these 12 men He says, I want to make you fishers of men. The first group of people he meets, he says, I want to make you fishers of men. And I think for these guys, there was no tension when Jesus was leaving about whether or not they should make disciples. It was a clear thing for them. It was like, oh, we'll just go. And he goes, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and then you will be sent out. Because if you guys go on your own, you're going to do all kinds of weird stuff and mess it up. No, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And this is a reality. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have him with you. He says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You have not only a comforter, but you have an advocate who fights for you, who reminds you that you've made peace with God. So when you think, oh, Man, my, I'm struggling with all these different things. How can I go out in confidence? Hey, God forgave you. He freed you. That same Holy Spirit will remind you of, of the scriptures that you've, you've spent reading. He reminds you of all those moments, of all those wise, like wise uh, uh, things that maybe Drew mentioned to you on a coffee one-on-one, or maybe something that Sophia like sang one day. Like all these things will come back to you because the Holy Spirit is with you. Our confidence is this: again, it says in Matthew 28 that He will be with you even to the end of the age. And with that, our call is to make disciples who live and love like Jesus, not just in our context in the U.S but wherever God has planted you to be faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for the fact that you've called us, Lord God, to make disciples. This high calling is uh, one that you uh, yourself lived out for us as an example. You lived it out perfectly, Lord, and you called uh, people, these 12 men, to walk with you, and you trained them, and you spoke into their lives. They saw you laugh, and they also watched you die, and they also watched you rise from the dead. And then you gave them that authority. And here we are today, because people simply heard what you said and did it. Let it be that simple for us, Lord, that we hear what you say as we read your word, we hear what you say as we spend time in small groups, and we just do it. We trust you. And so, Lord, remind us today as we sing this next song that we come to worship you. We're not here for a man, we're here for a political party, we're not here for uh, anything else except you, Lord. We are here for you. So bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, and give me a prayer.